On the GravityDAO podcast this week, I am pleased to be joined by Alok. He is the CEO and co-founder of Vibe Bio. They are a biotech DAO looking to change the world of fundraising structures. Alok, thank you so much for joining me this week. Yeah, Rick, really appreciate the opportunity and uh, the chance to chat with you and, and your community. Absolutely. I mean, I'm very interested on just getting into the details of what you guys are doing and some of the really important real world use cases that I think you're bringing with Web3 to just the broader audience, uh, especially of the medical world. And before we get into that, do you mind just introducing to the audience a little bit about yourself, what your background is, how you got into crypto and maybe how that leads into your Vibe Bio story? Absolutely. So, you know, I myself am actually a scientist by trade and training. I spent about 15 years at the bench doing research, um, but then caught the software bug and started a couple of software companies focused on the biotech industry. You know, those companies have gone on to employ a few hundred people, raise a hundred million plus in venture and are doing pretty well. Um, but then last year, my wife and I were fortunate enough to have our first kid. Though the pregnancy went okay, uh, unfortunately, our daughter was born very sick uh, and spent a long time in the hospital. One of the hardest parts about that experience was that the diseases that she had were somewhat common, the biology well understood, but unfortunately there were no uh, dedicated therapeutic options available to her. And as a consequence, she spent a long time suffering. Mm. I'm sure you and the audience could probably appreciate how big of a life-changing event that was. Um, and also when you have a sick kid, you just have a tendency to spend time with other families who also have sick children as well. And so it was, I think, that experience that motivated me to leave the traditional Web2 world and think about how we go and solve some of the challenges that exist in this domain. And one of those common threads that existed amongst us and all those other families with kids in the NICU was that we all had tremendous hope that a medicine could be found and developed for the diseases that our children had. But at the same time, we all recognized that there was a lack of capital and funding available to actually move them into a clinical trial. So that ultimately is the problem that we set out to solve. And uh, has led us to where we are today. But yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I know it can be frustrating, especially the medical world of getting proper research. And there's controversies in terms of which disease should be studied. I know, like one, for example, that, that's affected a lot of people myself personally has been things just like Lyme disease and, and some of the longer term effects of something like that. Um, it was autoimmune and all of that. But yeah, thank you for sharing that because I know it's a very personal story. And it definitely sounds like a, an incredibly challenging time. But um, I'm curious to learn. So what was it about Web3 that really attracted you to it? Why did you, how did you originally get into the space? And, and when you went to, when you had that moment last year that brought you say, this is a, this is why I want to bring it into a DAO format and create this Web3 system. What was your introduction beforehand? How was it get on your radar originally? Yeah, it's a great question. My exposure to crypto happened perhaps several years ago uh, in the midst of COVID when, you know, you started to see, uh, broader markets sort of tank, as well as uh, the recognition that the Fed would have to decrease rates substantially and pump as much liquidity as possible into the system. And it was at that point that you started to recognize, having done a little bit of uh, studying in the economics world uh, earlier in my life, how you needed to have assets and classes of assets that were somewhat resistant, as well as inflation that could serve as a hedge against many sort of inflationary pressures, which we're now a few years later sort mm -hmm. of seeing um, bear out in, in full force. And so my entree to crypto really came through that lens. Um, alongside that, I was working with a, a large uh, software company building out their life sciences division, where you know we spent a lot of time looking at cryptography and security and also governance of those sorts of systems. And so crypto became a really interesting solution as we started to think about um, 
the gating of data and access, protecting scientific and genomic and health-related information uh, from a cryptographic perspective, et cetera. So my exposure really began in the mid, mid sort of 2020s um, and then sort of really grew uh, into 2021, especially when my daughter was born. And to be candid, uh, you know, our goal when we built Vibe and when our daughter was sick wasn't to go build a crypto company. What really accelerated my thinking in this space was that when we sat, you know, by the by our daughter's bedside and alongside these other families who had children who were ill, what you started to learn is that there's a myriad of different diseases out there that impact, in the case of rare diseases, one in 10 Americans. Mm. Further, the challenge is that for many of these individuals and families, the only way they're able to raise capital is either to depend on the generosity of billionaires or run hundreds of bake sales. Five Bio believes there should be a better option. And so as we started to explore the different approaches by which we could try and solve these problems that existed in, in rare disease drug development, whether it be a nonprofit institution or a biotech or an academic lab, we recognized that what needed to happen was first access to a large pool of capital that was looking to disrupt the way things are done. And second, is the opportunity to have infinite scalability of governance such that all these disease areas, all these families and patients could actually participate. And when you start to examine both of those uh, criteria across the different types of institutions, DAOs and crypto became the, the best possible solution to go solve the problem that we're uh, looking to do. So it's from that experience that we decided to start Vibe. And Vibe Bio is a biotech company that at our core is a community of patients, scientists, and partners that help identify and vet treatments in the rare disease space. But we also then finance their development in innovative ways through a governance token and its sale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like a really, so your, your whole entire journey there has been a perfect blend of economics and looking at the research and data side of things and how that can be affected by cryptography and why it's important to potentially store that in something like a ledger or private ledger or whatever it might be in order to um, neatly uh, organize these files through blockchain or whatever. I know there's a lot of issues with medical record keeping and, and all of that as well. Um, so just having that all come together and then with the events that happened in your last life, it, it really is a, a very interesting founding story and an incredible one, in my opinion, um, and, and a mission that you, you can clearly tell that you were very passionate about driving forward. Um, getting into Vibe Bio now. So, yeah, I'd love to break down a few of the details. But before we get into that, so you, you mentioned you have mentioned some of the current pressing issues with getting fundraising. But do you mind just walking listeners through what it entails to raise money for research how do you i mean how do you hire do you hire independent labs to then do it do you have to outsource a lot of the stuff um what is i mean how much capital do you have to raise to do this research can you just walk the listeners through it? and also the timeline as well because i know it takes some time so yeah if you just give an overview please yeah for sure so you know drug development obviously has been around for you know centuries um and so there's a lot of existing precedents and infrastructure that has enabled that industry to blossom uh, as a society, we spend about one to one and a half trillion dollars a year on medicines, and a measurable portion of that goes back into the, our research and development of those uh, net new medicines. Now, drug development is really ultimately about ensuring that you can show to a regulatory authority that a given medicine is able to treat a disease, it's efficacious, 
but then simultaneously is also safe. And so there's individual steps that one has to perform in order to be able to demonstrate those things, ultimately showing it works in a human. So that includes testing it in a Petri dish where you're showing that with cells that that medicine works. Further, uh, if it works there, you're then testing it in animals that try to mimic the human body such that you can see whether there's safety related issues and also the efficacy of that potential medicine. Ultimately, getting approved by uh, a regulatory authority then to run an actual clinical trial. And I think most Americans today are all too familiar with the concept of clinical trials, given the challenges we have with COVID not mm. that long ago. And the opportunity uh, that's required to be able to test those medicines in people, both in terms of their specific disease, but also in comparison to a placebo to make sure that that effect is real. So these are, I think, the individual steps that uh, often occur in the drug development process. But one of the things that often comes to the forefront is that people assume that it's a very expensive and laborious endeavor. Don't get me wrong, it's more expensive than uh, any, many other domains. However, in the domains that we're looking at, namely in rare diseases, it actually costs substantially less to be able to develop a medicine than it does in, say, larger indications like cancer or heart disease. The main reason for that is that the patient population in rare diseases tend to be substantially smaller. So the amount of time that you need uh, tends to be shorter and the pace at which you can move can be faster and at lower cost. So what ends up happening in the life sciences industry is that any given company has to be prudent in terms of where they allocate resources. Those organizations have to often focus on maybe one or two different disease areas and deprioritize the balance because of those limited resources and capacity. So what we find time and time again is that well-intentioned biotech and pharma companies focus on often the largest types of uh, diseases because that also increases the overall value of their organization, but then set aside those disease areas that have promising science, really interesting results, but simply just don't stack up in terms of economic opportunity as those larger disease areas. Hmm. So what we're doing actually to help also expedite the drug development process is to be able to go collaborate with those existing biotech, pharmaceutical, and academic institutions, developing those promising medicines in the rare disease space, and be able to provide the capital, the expertise, as well as the patient communities to be able to advance those medicines further into clinical trials. Mm, amazing. I want to ask you now, going into the DAO itself, so we identify a rare disease and we want to start a campaign to submit uh, fund to get funding and research put towards it and say I as an individual have joined the DAO and I'm passionate about getting um, the proper resources towards this cause. Could you walk me through the process of what that'll look like? Will there be a governance proposal put forward in the DAO to then put to start a campaign to raise money for this? Or is there going to be some sort of DAO treasury that then sets aside money, a mix of both? Can you just maybe walk listeners through some of the more governance related aspects of this? Absolutely. I'll, I'll highlight perhaps three um, key steps that exist in our in our approach and our governance model to be able to finance uh, a given drug development activity in a rare disease. As you noted, you know, Vibio is building a community of patients, scientists, and partners to help identify and vet treatments in the rare disease space and then fund them in innovative ways. So first, we actually invite and go and partner with existing patient advocacy groups that are focused on each of these individual diseases. Second, we also collaborate with scientists who have deep drug development expertise, uh, 
and at the same time have leveraged our governance token, the VIBE token, granted that token to those individuals to participate in the community, but also sold a small portion of it to build up a balance sheet. We're really excited to announce, you know, not that long ago, a $12 million round of financing led by Initialized mm. Capital, which gave the DAO an initial sort of balance sheet to be able to invest in these endeavors. So any token holder is able to put forth a, gov a governance proposal to allocate capital to a specific drug development activity. That could be running a uh, Petri dish related test. It could be running a manufacturing run for a given uh, medicine. It could be performing a clinical trial. Those proposals are then vetted by a select group of drug development experts who come from the scientific side of the community that then score that proposal for um, scientific feasibility, safety and regulatory, uh, financial planning to ensure that if cal capital is allocated, there's a good chance that we'll be taking the best possible shot on goal in the drug development space. Mm -hmm. From those proposals, we then uh, issue a stack rank to the community that then authorizes the release of funds from the treasury to then fund those programs based on um, uh, their ranking in that uh, pile. So what it allows us to do is take a decentralized approach to uh, identifying and vetting, identifying potential treatments, vetting them, but then also financing them with a completely new perspective such that if any of those medicines are successful downstream, the revenue and the milestones and the royalties that come back from those medicines will then actually go back to the treasury to then fund the next wave of programs as well. Hmm. It's such an incredibly unique approach that you all have adopted. And as we're still in this early stage of DAOs and what it means to run a, a decentralized organization, we're still trying to figure that out. And you're taking on the added risk and venture that you have to now incorporate this entire medical side into things and make sure that also works and is conducive with the DAO structure. Um, I guess two, a two-part question here. The first would be, what was your big inspirations for creating this governance system and the stacks and having a ways to, in order to prioritize things and um, figure out how the treasury is going to work. And then the second part is how is the traditional medical world reacted to this structure? Um, has there been skepticism? Has there been approval? Maybe a mix of both? Just uh, lay it all out from there. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's start with the first, first topic yeah. here. I think the key takeaway is that the challenge in drug development is not finding a potential cure, it's funding it. Mm. And so a lot of the existing infrastructure that there's that's there today whether it be biotech, venture capital, or pharmaceutical companies, have an existing process by which they go and identify existing treatments that might sit at other institutions that they want to go and purchase to be able to develop themselves and turn into products. So the great thing about it is that we can take advantage of that same um, know-how and that tribal knowledge in terms of vetting and diligencing uh, given projects and programs and bring that and instantiate that on-chain. So that's really what we've done is to, is to take the best of both worlds, a broad pool of scientists and patients focused on a common mission of finding every cure for every community, putting forth proposals on the projects they're the most passionate about. The second step being the identification of uh, uh, facets of these proposals, vetting them by experts, and then ranking them against each other to identify the best possible domains that we can pursue to move the needle. And then finally, releasing funds at the behest of the community to ensure that ultimately patients, not profit or politics, 
drives the next generation of drug development. Mm -hmm. So we really try to leverage the existing best practices that exist um, when it comes to uh, vetting and evaluating and just put that on chain with, uh, within the DAO. Now, your other question, sort of in terms of how the, the traditional industry is, is viewing this model, I think is an interesting one. We're really fortunate that at this point in time, there's a lot of excitement in crypto overall. I think you've seen that as well. Mm -hmm. um, further, in the biotech world today, if you actually look at the, the value of the XBI, which is an ETF of a no number of biotech names, from its peak in 2020 to its trough in 2021, uh, sorry, its peak in 2021 to its trough in 2022 has been down 60%. Hmm. Unfortunately, that uh, route that has happened in the public markets and the volatility has also translated to the private markets. So many biotech companies are one, looking for a new creative alternative sources of capital. But then second, because they also have to further belt tighten are also looking for creative partners that can take the baton on some of those candidate medicines and hopefully get them to patients quickly. So we've been seeing a really interesting, exciting mix of interest in Vibe and the programs as well as our patient-driven approach. But I think at the end of the day, what's going to be most important is that we're able to get these medicines to patients quickly and safely, as well as be able to get them uh, ultimately approved to be able to then validate the broader model uh, and keep the flywheel going. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting point you raise in the, in the biotech industry right now. I was not aware that the as a collective, the industry is is down that substantially. But I know biotechs also has a track record, especially more venture stage biotech has a track record of being very volatile, um, a little similar to the crypto world, but obviously different different reasons as to why it goes up and down because it's very dependent on trials and research and something fails and goes wrong or doesn't get regulatory approval that can cause a stock to plummet 50% one day um, or go up 100% if, if things go well. So very high risk, high reward uh, scenarios there. Um, so, they, so overall, you'd say though that the traditional world has been very open-minded towards uh, maybe something such as Vibe Bio. You say there, there really hasn't been too much pushback and then going off of that, how do you view the current landscape for medical Web3 solutions? It, how, how much of that is currently out there? And what are you seeing overall, just considering that you have your, um, your hand on the pulse of, of what's going on with, the, with this very niche sector of the space? Well, you know, I think the first thing I'd highlight is that rare diseases especially impact one in 10 Americans. Mm -hmm. uh, and of the 10,000 plus rare diseases that are out there, 5% or less actually have any treatment whatsoever. So, you know, if you think about even just the individuals we interact with in crypto, whether it be within Discord or on Twitter, you know, there's a one in 10 chance that they're actually affected by a rare disease or, you know, even more so have a loved one who's affected by a rare disease. So the reception we've been really pleasantly surprised has been extremely positive and encouraging across the broader community. We've had many, you know, amazing crypto uh, native individuals like Balaji Srinivasan and Naval Rabikanth, amongst others, participate in our round because of wow. their, um, uh, you know, because of their alignment with our broader mission. And I think the broader world is also looking for an opportunity to see how crypto and DAOs specifically can really move the needle in a real world circumstance and for everyday, um, you know, citizens. So I think Vibe is a great example of how that can be demonstrated. Um, and I really think for the first time, Vibe is giving patients with rare and overlooked diseases, you know, both the funding and a co the community that they need to develop a cure. So ultimately, uh, you know, that authenticity, that mission, I think is what's going to uh, establish us 
attract the right types of participants to our community uh, and hopefully will lead to some successes in the not too distant future. Of course. Yeah. And it's great to see these applications. I mean, I mean there's plenty of uh, charity um, applications, for example, in Web3 being brought forward and seeing how people are uh, finding very creative ways to raise money for nonprofits. And in this case, people putting more money towards rare diseases uh, and hopefully finding cures that otherwise might struggle to get the attention that they deserve um, in more traditional processes. I want to ask you a little bit about the Vibe token now, because it has not launched yet from last time I was doing my research. Um, could you give an overview of the Vibe token? Is it going to be an ERC-20 token? Um, is it going to be built on maybe a Cosmos chain? I guess give, give an overview of that, as well as, you know, it's a governance, it's a governance tool, but also what, do you, what else do you hope to achieve with it? Yeah, we are intending for it to be an ERC-20 token. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're going to do a lot of our governance on-chain, likely potentially also with an L2 involved, but uh, we haven't launched the token yet. We intend to do so, you know, within the next year or so. Um, but the goal here being that we can start to demonstrate how we can bring this really exciting domain of uh, drug development and another really exciting domain of crypto together. So, uh, you know, we intend to do that launch, you know, in the not too distant future. The token itself is a governance token. And the approach that we've taken is to ensure that we have the right nucleus of participants in our community at the get-go. So as part of this process, we're building out a community of patients, scientists, and partners that help us identify and vet treatments in the rare disease space. So we're actively partnering with patient communities and have interacted with several dozen at this point. So they're one constituents to whom we actually grant tokens to vote. We're also actively engaged with really experienced drug developers who have brought multi-billion dollar drugs to market, um, who are helping us evaluate and ensure uh, you know, we're, we're doing the drug development the right way. And so they're also part of the mix and are compensated in tokens for their participation and contributions. But also as part of the, the public sale that we intend to do, we'll sell a, a portion of those tokens to external investors as well. So they can also be part of this community at the same time. And so the governance token, I think, will help uh, ensure that only those who are truly committed to this mission can put forth proposals that everyone can participate in voting and approving the release of funds, which I think is an important facet here. You know, in many other legacy institutions, it tends to be a very opaque and closed process. Here, we want it to be open and community owned. But then I think the other piece that I'll highlight here for you longer term is that I think there's a unique opportunity to start to create an economy around the Vibe token. One facet to keep in mind is that if we're able to show this governance model this tokenomics and structure working, there's an opportunity to take this code base and then replicate it for other disease areas over time. So the Vibe Bio DAO ends up becoming almost uh, a parent DAO with a DAO focused on ALS or cancer mm -hmm. or infectious disease or um, psychedelics, et cetera, all sort of sitting within it, leveraging a common community and a common diligence infrastructure. So that's one potential way in which we see the, the token evolving. The mm -hmm. other I'd also highlight is that as we start to bring these patients together, start running these clinical trials, the quantity of high-fidelity health-related data that we'll generate is going to be substantial. Whether it's clinical trial data, manufacturing data, even genomic data from individuals, there becomes a really unique opportunity by which we can start to put that data on-chain, but then enable the monetization of that data through the token to external parties. I was actually speaking with the former head of drug development in uh, a big pharma company the other day, 
and you know he's currently focused in the space of um, Crohn's and colitis. And one of the things that he mentioned is that one of his uh, organizations spent half a billion dollars a year just to have a data subscription to a, a patient database with genomic and longitudinal data on that specific patient population. Wow. I mean, just think about those numbers, half a billion dollars for just one company. So I think this gives you a good sense of where we could potentially take the BioBio ecosystem over time, especially as we're able to empower those patients themselves, not only to have unprecedented ownership in the drug development process, but also unprecedented ownership of their own data and its monetization. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the individuals in my life who have been affected by rare diseases or diseases that don't have quite the, the research backing behind them, there is that community there. And there's usually very few, I don't want to say credible, but it's difficult to find a good central source for everyone to go towards and where you can get the best information. And you really have to rely, some doctors might have this opinion, some doctors might have another opinion, it might get some research, it might not get this research, it might be better in certain states or regions or countries. Um, but it sounds like with Vibe and, and the Vibe token, you want to find a way to, to bring that all together and give it the centralized, um, not centralized, decentralized source. Um, so people can, can come together and put that energy towards something positive that can hopefully uh, result in positive outcomes for their cause, which I think is just amazing. Moving into some wrapping up questions here, Alok. Um, I do want to ask you if you could give maybe the the one minute elevator pitch on the current timeline. So what you're most excited about launching in the medium to near future. But I know that you guys are have, have you know a year out plus roadmap currently. So I guess what's coming up, what can people look forward to and what should they keep an eye on for Vibio? Yeah, for sure. So first and foremost, we're really excited to build this community of patients and scientists and partners. And those who are interested in learning more should go to vibebio.com, V-I-B-E-B-I-O.com, or find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, etc. And so, you know, we have a, a year-long plus uh, roadmap in place where this upcoming uh, next few months and weeks, we're gonna be opening up our Discord to a much broader group of individuals beyond just our initial community of patients and scientists. So that's one thing I think the community can look forward to. In uh, next quarter, you know, we're gonna be looking to launch our initial governance tools and our white paper, at least a draft, to be able to get feedback from the broader community to make sure that we're headed in the right direction as a group. Then I think uh, towards the end of the year, you're going to start to see some really exciting announcements from us on some of these initial drug development programs that we're starting to pursue, where we want to be able to show people that we truly are making progress on these rare and overlooked diseases. Um, we're, we, we're really excited as part of our launch to announce two key partnerships with different patient advocacy groups, one focused on neurofibromatosis type 2, which is a cancer-related disease, and uh, Chelsea's Hope. Uh, which is a foundation focused on Lafora disease, which is a rare mm. uh, fatal disease of the brain. You know, these are great examples of the types of partnerships as well as the potential medicines that we're looking to develop. And I think you'll see some really great, exciting announcements about that and the amazing personnel that we've got supporting us in that regard. Ultimately, with the launch in 2023, early 2023, I think that's sort of a really key set of milestones and a lot of meaty items that the broader community can look forward to. I think just further demonstrates and cements us as one of the leading uh, projects actually moving the forefront forward at this intersection of biotech and Web3. 
Great. And I'll make sure that any links that you mentioned there will be in the show notes. So people who are listening or watching this interview will get a chance to take a look at that. Alok, my final question for you before we log off here. Uh, and this is not one crypto related, but more of a personal one. Just so people get to know you a bit, so, bit outside of just the, the Web3 world or just outside of Vibe Bio. Um, and the question I have for you today is who inspires you the most and why? And this can be anyone. Yeah, I'll give you two answers if that's okay, because I think they're somewhat, uh, you know, the, they're, they're complementary. So I'd say the first is um, going down this road of building Vibe. You have the fortune of working side by side with many patients, patient advocacy groups, and namely parents who then themselves have sick children. Having been in their shoes before, you see the amount of determination and grit that these individuals have and their relentlessness in finding a therapy for their child is absolutely inspirational. You and I both have probably spent so much time with just amazing founders, builders, um, you know, uh, people of all walks of life, but bar none, this community of patients and parents truly are the most inspiring to me because of their commitment. We've interacted and have parts of our community who are teachers and doctors, consultants and janitors. It really is a, a community that really knows no bounds and is one that really inspires me day in, day out. So that's number mm -hmm. one. The other I'd say is actually, you know, uh, my, my father, you know, who came to this country back in the seventies and uh, didn't know anyone, didn't really uh, look like anybody else and didn't really speak the language and came to study and, and work hard and built sort of, I think the most foundational organizational organization in the world, which is a family and sort of gave us an opportunity to sort of uh, do what uh, we, we are most passionate about. So I'd say, you know, those would be the two uh, answers I'd give you. One is sort of a, you know, the rare disease parent, uh, and then also my own father. That couldn't couldn't answer that any better. Look, that was that was great, and uh, I thank really thank you for sharing that, and I thank you for your time today. Just to reiterate, um, where should I send listeners? So, is the website the best place? Is there also a Twitter they can get involved? You mentioned a Discord as well. So, um, what would be the best way for people to keep in touch with everything going on with Vibe? Yeah, I think the website is the best place. Vibebio.com as well as Twitter at vibe underscore bio. Um, both those would be awesome uh, places to, to keep abreast of what we're doing. And we'd also love to engage with you uh, uh, in those forums as well. Sure. Yeah. Everything will be down below once again. So make sure to check that out if you're interested in getting involved with this community. Alok, an incredibly important and valuable mission you're putting forward, something that I think is bringing so much positivity to the Web3 world and putting in real world application. I, I do really look forward to seeing where this goes. I want to thank you again for coming on to the Gravity Dial podcast and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Really excited to, to, to have uh, had this conversation and looking forward to following up again in the future.